worst thing you can do is try to be deceptive or to try to evade it because your past is your past and it's going to come up on a background check and you're going to have to deal with it. And I think that most employers so far that I've encountered really appreciate the upfront honesty. And you would be surprised at how many people show up and have something maybe on their background that's not so desirable. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That is Kate Lighty. She's the founder of Strively. Now, this is another in the series of conversations we're having this month about mental health, addiction, and second chances. And this conversation, in particular, is about second chances. Strively is an organization Kate founded whose work is to prepare and mentor f- former inmates to enter the workforce as successful sales development reps in tech companies. So as part of a larger mission to create a more diverse and inclusive workplace in the tech sector, in which Kate wants to change how we perceive people who have been impacted by some of society's most complex problems, like mass incarceration. So Kate shares the inspiration for starting Strively. She was volunteering. It's a great story. She was volunteering, teaching a class in a state prison, and found herself interacting with highly motivated individuals that she felt shared some common attributes with top tech sellers. So we're going to get into that story. It's very interesting. Kate also talks about her program, how they recruit candidates into the program. Uh, We dig into the details of how they train people in her program and life skills, basic work skills, and sales skills in order to enter into the competitive world of tech sales. This is all very inspiring. I love what Kate is attempting. And later in the episode, we'll share information about what you can do to support Strively's mission. So all this and much, much more. But before we get to Kate, I want to remind you, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you do subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it with Kate. Kate Lighty, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, my pleasure to have you. So, um, tell us a little bit about Strively. I mean, what, what, um, well, just start. Tell us what Strively is, what you're doing with Strively, and then we'll get into sort of the, the details in the background. Okay, great. Strively is a tech sales training program, and it's specifically designed to support people coming out of the U.S. prison system okay. to prepare them for roles as SDRs. I mean, I, just as a concept, I, I just love the concept. I mean, it's, it's, you know, people paid their debt to society. And um, as you talk about in your literature, and I've had some exposure to second chance programs here in San Diego in the past, it's uh, recidivism is a, is a huge problem. I mean, it's what, 75%, something like that? That's exactly it. Yeah, 75% of people return to prison after being released. And a lot of that has to do with um, with lack of ability to make money because of the felonies on their record. So right. getting a job, yeah. And typical sort of time frame does that happen within? Do you know? Um, you know what? I'm I'm not the best person to call okay. out stats, um, but I think it's within six months to a year, somewhere around there. It's it's quick. It's not it's not a long time at all. Yeah. So. Yeah, and this idea of uh, of training people coming out of prison, serve their debt, uh, serve their time, and train them to be sales. So tell us how you came up with that idea. I mean, this is, this is sort of interesting. Yeah. 
So I, my background is in tech sales. I've worked in right. some kind of client-facing role for the past 17 years, so since the beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of, you know, mostly have worked in startups and have had some successes. And um, I kind of got, around 2019, feeling a little burnt out working in startups. I was on my seventh. Um, I just wasn't feeling the passion for it anymore. Yeah, well, so... Before I move on, so what what was the cause of the burnout, do you think? It was just same thing over and over again or Absolutely. Yeah, doing the same thing over and over again. And the yeah. volatility of working in, in startups, it's it's a grind. Um it's just a never ending grind. And I and I think I just kind of yeah, I just lost my interest in it. And to be honest, I was I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself and um just kind of down and out about my career. And I had a kind of a heart to heart with my best friend. And, um, and she said, Kate, why don't you go be of service to someone mm-hmm. and see if that helps? Right. Yeah. And so, uh, shortly after that, I got invited to go to Salinas Correctional Training Facility, um, in the Valley here in California and, uh, teach employment skills. So how to present yourself in an interview, how to write a resume, how to talk about your background. Right. So this just you know, set the stage for people. So you were in this was a state prison, right? Yep. And I think if, <laughs> I think it's one if you drive south out of Salinas on the 101, it's there on the left, right? Exactly. Uh, housing yep. developments abutting it uh, have grown up around it actually. And this is yeah, people are serving prison sentences for felony convictions. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's um. The the people that are housed in that facility, I mean, they run the gamut. Um, there are some very serious crimes that some of those folks have committed. So, and I've never been to a prison before, and I don't really know anyone in prison. So, well, what was that like when you walked uh, in the first time? <laughs> I mean, the, the I think the perception that most people have of prison, if you're not, if you don't know anyone or haven't been there, is portrayed in the media and. Um, in movies and TV. And uh, I was nervous. I was really nervous. Um, But what I learned like really shocked me. Um, Such as? I I walked into this this room with um, a group of gentlemen who are attending Hartnell College. And uh, which is a community college in that that area, right? Exactly. Yep. Correct. Um, getting their AA. And um, what I saw immediately was a group of um, uh, very uh, courteous, respectful, um, curious um, individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really interested in uh, what it was like to work in technology. They surprised me because they were asking questions about like, what's a hot programming language and what's it like to work in tech and how much money do you make? And, mm-hmm. um, and I think I, I saw something in this group of, of gentlemen in the class. I saw a similarity to the people that I worked with in tech sales every day. Such as? That natural curiosity. I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. that the people in sales probably prick their ears up when they hear that. It's like, well, tell me more about that. I feel like, a, you know, a, a good salesperson is naturally curious. Um, they have a gift of gab. They like to talk to people. They ask a lot of questions. Um, I, I think that that's what I thought. They're charismatic. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of folks that are in the, in the 
U.S. prison system have um, grown up in uh, situations where they had to kind of have that hustler's mentality. They've got to they got to make ends meet, and so mm-hmm. um, so that's what I what I recognized in these folks in the class. So when you're teaching your class, and I just wonder what the impression you got is because you know we talked about this high recidivism rate and. You know, it's very problematic because you know we have this you know huge number of people in this country that are incarcerated at any one point in time. And did you get a sense that working for this program with Hartnell that the system itself was serious about providing people opportunities outside of prison? I mean, it's uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I think there's a, I think there's a big, there's a big push. I think that, um, people are really waking up to the fact that, you know, the, the United States is in a kind of a state of emergency with, with mass incarceration and, um, economically, it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, you know, ethically it doesn't make sense. Um, and so I think they're doing their best to create upper opportunities, um, with the resources that they have. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a large number of people. You, I think I read in your literature that 600,000 people being released from prison every year that are coming back that uh, you know, have skills and, and needs that we need in our economy, right? We need workers. We need people willing to do jobs, and we want people to be able to have financial security and housing stability and, and all the things that makes them part of the community, um, yep. And we, we want, yeah, we, the people on the outside of, we want of this looking in, we want that, um, for them, but more importantly, they want it for themselves. They want the opportunity to come out and create an, a real life for themselves instead right. of being caught in this revolving door of incarceration. Yeah. And certainly the way that, you know, sentencing laws and other things have worked over the last 20 years, uh, yeah, oftentimes they're going the wrong direction, right? Which is to dramatically increase the population, especially among populations of color and so on. Right. Um, so you notice this the similarity. You're there, you're volunteering with, with these people in prison. And what sort of triggered the thought then is, oh, well, maybe I can help these people. Uh, yeah, so I think it... It was it was in my mind just after the first time I went into prison that I I thought well that would make a great nonprofit um, start a program prepare people for for roles in sales and mm-hmm. um, but the idea of of, of starting a nonprofit um, when you have a regular job and um, you know I've got a family to take care of and it's not very realistic. Um, I just didn't have the time. And then um, and then COVID happened, and mm-hmm. I found myself with quite a bit of free time. And I right. thought, you know, I just didn't, I didn't have an excuse to not start it. And so I, so I did. It's <laughs> a great story. So no kids at home? Do you have to worry about their schooling or anything during COVID? Uh, oh, yeah. No, I had oh, kids, yeah. kids at home. Absolutely. Two, two kids in elementary school oh, wow. um, doing distance learning. And, well, how'd you um, find, how'd you find yourself with more time then? I have very, very generous parents who oh, help okay. a lot. Got yeah. it. And a great ex-husband too, who is very, we we're working together. So, Excellent. you know, okay. we, we made it happen. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough go. I tell people all the time on the show is <laughs> grateful. My kids are grown out of the house. I didn't have to go through that. Cause it's like, 
whether a single mom like yourself or two-income families, uh, people yep. working, trying to make do with, with uh, yeah, schooling with kids. And I had yeah. uh, a woman on the show recently, Tiffany Hempel from, from LinkedIn, talking about she had written an article saying, yeah, during pandemic, she had 16 jobs she identified. And it's like, right, right. Holy cow. So you added a job then, was starting this, this nonprofit. Uh, to help people. So tell us a little bit about what the program entails. So the program is, um, it's roughly, it's about, I don't know, a hundred days or so of training. Mm -hmm. It's comprised of tools training, which is, you know, kind of everything you would need to do in order to do your job as an SDR, how to use the CRM, how to, um, how to set up, um, a zoom meeting, uh, proper etiquette. Um, and then there's, of course, there's, soft skills that are part of the program as well, which is, you know, how to write a resume, how to interview, how to run a meeting, um, how to hand off um, an opportunity to an account executive once you've, once you've established um, Mm -hmm. the connection. And then the last portion of it is done uh, with a sales training partner winning by design. Mm -hmm. So they do, um, they do our, our SDR sales training very generously. That's yeah. Good organization. Um, so what does that sales training look like for the people? They've, so they've gone through, they said you sort of taught them basic day-to-day management skills, personal management skills, uh, basic tech skills, uh, how to work within an organization, it sounds like, how to be able to collaborate. Um, do, you, do you go through like how to receive feedback you know, as being part of an, org- you know, being an organization, having a coach or a manager manage you? We do, yeah. So we have um, another partner of ours, which is Moxie Professional Development, and they come in and talk about, um, you know, how to manage up, how to uh, how to schedule a one-on-one and prepare your manager, how to ask for help, mm-hmm. how to deal with um, uh, how to deal with maybe inequities in the workplace, like encountering racism or you know something like that. How to self-advocate. How to self-advocate and also how to tell your personal story. So a lot of the folks coming through our program, they have paths that are very, very different than some of the folks they're going to be sharing yeah, with right, right. for. Right. right. So um, ha- a lot of it's building confidence and and talking about about themselves, building confidence to um, to get them to see a place for themselves in in a tech sales role. And then really the heart of our program is the mentorship. So. Right. So, yeah. Well, before we get to the mentorship, though, let's let's talk about this because yeah. this is fascinating. So, how how do you coach someone in this environment, especially you know during interviews and when they get hired and talking with peers to tell their story? I mean, what that story should be, how they how they position the story, and how they tell it. This is this is fascinating. I think that it, um, ultimately it comes down to personal preference and comfortability. So. You're not obligated, no one's obligated to share the right. um, specific details of their past. Um, and so um, we coach on on how to, if you don't feel like talking about your past, how to avoid it altogether. Um, but can you in an interview when you've got this gap on your, your resume or? Um, so 
Not necessarily. I think it depends on what your resume looks like. Right. You know, um, I think it's a case by case basis. I mean, some folks are going to have to talk about their background. Right. Um, but when it comes to you're at work and you're you're sharing the floor with your fellow salespeople, you're not obligated to tell anybody the details about your past. You might have to do it in order to get the job, but um, it's not something that you're required sure. to share in the role itself. How do you yeah. handle an interview, though? That's that's. So I think um, coming to the conversation with a lot of honesty, because right. you know, the worst thing you can do is um, is try to be deceptive or to try to evade it because your past is your past, and it's going to mm-hmm. come up on a background check, and you're going to have to deal with it. Right. Um, and I think that most employers so far that I've encountered. I uh, really appreciate the upfront honesty and you would be surprised at how right. many people show up and have something maybe on their background. That's not so desirable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. More often than you think. And I imagine right. and more often right. than truthfully answered perhaps on job applications and so on too. Right. So how do you find candidates for this program? So, um, yeah, that is a great question. I have established partnerships with many different organizations who are doing support work for people coming out of the system. So organizations like Arrowet out of Arizona who are supporting um, women coming out of of the prison system Mm -hmm. there. Um, Company or organizations like Defy Ventures who they do mentorship and support work for people coming out of the prison system, actually nationally. Mm -hmm. So we're getting referrals from their mentors, referrals from people in their organization that are vouching and saying like, this person's done the work. This person's Mm -hmm. ready to go. This person's a good fit for your program. Well, and let me just understand those programs. So when someone is released from prison, do they typically go into a transition program like this you've, you've sort of described? I mean, Something to help them with the transition may provide some mental health support for them. I imagine there's <laughs> there's a lot of things that get thrown at you all of a sudden. Yep, there are. There are a lot of great organizations. Um, so if you, you partnered with like a, an organization like Defy, people are coming out of the prison system. They need a place to live. They need a job mm-hmm. immediately. They need right. a they need um, basic life. Um, how do you say um, just yeah. things? Yeah. To, to to get by, they need food, they need, uh, you know, so um, those organizations are getting people established. And then once those people are established, they're working, they're, they're mentoring, or they're getting mentored, then they mm-hmm. might be ready to come into our program. Right. And so how do you screen people? What's what are you looking for, for people to, to enter your program? So we're only taking referrals, like I said. Um, Mm -hmm. We're also, it's an interview process. So there's several people in our organization that will interview potential um, candidates. And then then I have a fantastic group of mentors that will also um, jump in and just have a a conversation. But that's the process, is the interview process. Yeah. So it's sort of like doing a job interview before you've been trained how to do a job interview. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. And... So you had your first cohort graduate from your program uh, earlier this year, right? Yep. Uh, I had five women come through the program. Uh, All of them graduated in February, the beginning of February. And have they all been able to find jobs? Uh, All of them except one. So we've got Mm -hmm. four that are working in technology and one that we're still still looking, but we will find. Okay. So four that are 
SDRs right now? Yes. In tech. Companies. So one one is actually a salesperson for Microsoft. Okay. One person is a team lead for Inside View. Mm-hmm. So she and and then another one of our candidates, Summer. She actually was working and then got a, a job in the middle of the program, um, also at Inside View, doing oh, cool. uh, SDR work and um, yeah. So. How do you help people in terms of placement? Are they do you give them guidance in terms of doing their own proactive search for a job, or is it you know you've got like a connections with these companies and you're trying to build a bigger network of companies to be places where your candidates can land? Yeah, we're certainly building those relationships with tech companies now. I, I don't currently have established partnerships with companies. Our program is new. And mm-hmm. also the the concept is new for tech companies. Oh, yeah. And so um, so we're building those relationships. And thankfully, you know, our program is um, is designed and developed uh, by salespeople. So, um, you know, we're using our network. We're using mm-hmm. uh, our existing Rolodex of, of people that we know. Um, the, for instance, uh, one of our candidates, Maggie, just got a job at the very hot tech company here mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. And um, we did that kind of strategically. I didn't, uh, she applied as if she were anyone else. And, and she is applying mm-hmm. like she is anyone else. Right. And because her resume was so amazing and beautiful and her cover letter was really buttoned up, um, she got the interview. And so while we did strategy on the back end to support her, we did a lot of coaching, a lot of mock interviews, a lot of strategy, um, and it's kind of a delicate situation when to bring up the background and um, right. and when to hold off. So, well, in her case, at what point did it come up in the process? So, in this particular instance, we waited until the job offer was was given. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got a job offer, and then right. um, and then before they you know go to do the background check. Um, she had a meeting with the right. director of HR and laid it out. Here right. are my letters of recommendation. Here's my background. Here are the circumstances. Right. Um, yeah. And what was the reaction? Uh, we were very fortunate that the tech company that she interviewed with and, and um, was in the process of getting a job with um, – from my perspective, did all the right things and gave mm-hmm. her a very fair, fair shot. Right. Um, so, it, but it was nerve wracking. I mean, we were all well, kind sure. of at the, on the edge of our seat for a week waiting for this final decision. To, well, to and happen. I can imagine though, that is, that is the barrier, right? Is getting comfortable, getting companies comfortable with this idea of second chance hiring. And I was just wondering, I mean, how do you, how do you help with that, with the companies themselves? Because I imagine at some point companies reach out to you, and what are you able to tell them? Yeah, so this is an um, interesting conversation we have quite a bit. Um, you know, it, I, I get the sense from a lot of tech companies that they want, they want to do, they want to participate, they want to make space for people um, that have bettered their lives, that are ready mm-hmm. for their fair shot. Um, the issue is transferable skills. Um, and you know, if you don't know how to position those skills in a resume and a cover letter, um, then it's really difficult for tech companies to see how someone might fit. 
Um, and so that's where like a program like Strively um, makes a lot of sense because they can come in, we can take the skills they already have, mm-hmm. we can apply them to sales and then get them to see how they transfer so that when they go to the interview, they can say, here's how I can be valuable to your company. Right. This is what I'm good at. Well, and I think the other thing that, that comes to mind as you, as you were talking, is just that, you know, an SGR job is oftentimes an entry-level job mm-hmm. for a lot of people, you know, people, fresh graduates or whatever. I would think that that having people with some life experience, and it's a, granted a very different life experience than you know, almost all the candidates they get, that's valuable, right? I mean, for me as a hiring manager, that would be something that I'd be interested in. It's like they've experienced life and they understand the ups and downs. I mean, sales is certainly full of ups and downs. Uh, you have to have developed some form of resilience, and I imagine a lot of people come through your come through your program are going to come through your program have had to develop a degree of resilience uh, just by being incarcerated that they hadn't had to do otherwise. No one's been told no more than someone who's been through, you know, the U.S. prison system. Right. Um, They're very used to, to being told no. So talk about resiliency. Like, you think it's going to bother them to be told no on a, um, a sales call a hundred times? Nope. But they're yeah. fine with it. They'll just push on through, keep going. And, well, and they're also accustomed to following a process, I imagine, as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah, I never thought about it like that, but yeah. Yeah. So so tell us about the program. So you said you provide mentorship for some period of time, a year or so after after your graduates graduate. Um, yeah. So how are you looking to scale the program? So, yeah, so the mentorship starts really the, like the day they start the program. They're mm-hmm. assigned a specific mentor. And it's someone that, um, that I've worked with in the past or someone that I have a personal relationship mm-hmm. with. Um, I've had uh, a lot of really fantastic mentors reach out and want to be a part of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as the participants are going, they're going through the program, they're attending workshops, they're meeting new people in the tech industry. And so mm-hmm. they're building a network of people. So we know that like getting the job is only the first step. Right. And you get the job and you've got to keep the job and you have to be good at your job. So right. the mentorship goes through the first year of employment. So they have people to reach out to if they get stuck on a deal or if they're behind on their quota or mm-hmm. something comes up. They have it's, it's about proximity, right? Well, it's having a support system. I mean, that's, exactly. that's what people need. I mean, this is in so many phases of life. And it's, yes. you would think, oh, well, talk to your manager. It's like. Yeah, you want somebody to talk to who's not your manager. Right, yeah, exactly. So um, the mentorship really is, it's kind of the heart of our, our program. And so, again, back to the question about scaling then. So as, oh, right. you, look yep. to, as you look to scale, you're going to, I think you've started your second cohort through the... Yep, our second cohort is going through right now. Um, we're about we're about midway. We've got three gentlemen and two women mm-hmm. and they're slated to graduate in, in May. Sorry. Yes. The end of May, beginning of June. Yeah. Nice. And how many people can you support in a year? So the goal is to support 55 this year, 55 mm-hmm. people through the program placed and working in tech. Um, that's the goal. Excellent. I love it. So obviously it costs money. There's nothing charge to the people who go through it. So Correct. you're a nonprofit, you're, you're looking for backers. What, um, what are you doing in that regard and how can people help you? 
Yes, um, we are absolutely looking for support. We're looking for support in a, a lot of different ways. So if you would like to get involved, we're always looking for mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking for people to teach skills. So um, if you have some type of skill that's sales related that you would mm-hmm. like to share your expertise in, we would love to have that. We're looking for partnerships with tech companies. So we're looking for tech companies to step up to offer positions to our candidates right. to fund the program. And uh, we're always looking for individual donations, which is kind of how we've made it so far. Right. So I was reading somewhere in your material, it's what, nine, about 9K to put a candidate through the program? It's about $9,000 to put a candidate through the program. Yep. Got it. Small investment. Sounds good. Uh, I agree. I think that's a perfectly reasonable amount. Well, and you're also not just f- focusing purely. I think this is a part we didn't really talk about before: is is people coming out of the prison system? Uh, you're talking about young adults at risk, uh, mm-hmm. homeless uh, folks that could step up, get some stable housing, a stable job, a you know, path back. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so we do. We partner with several other organizations, um, organizations like Love Never Fails, who are supporting victims of human trafficking, um, mm-hmm. people at risk for homelessness, um, at risk youth, um, and you know all of these things are intertwined, right? Um, incarceration sure. uh, right. with poverty. Um, so we're supporting all different types of folks through the program. Right, and I think you've also identified a, a spot which. You know, we've we talked about it on the show, but it can never be emphasized enough. It's just there's such value in bringing diversity into your sales force, um, different perspectives, different life backgrounds, different different skills, different perspectives that contribute to the team and the culture you're building. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we've tied or tried sort of the the tech bro side of things and seen how that's worked, and I think. Yeah, certainly it should be more impetus on yeah. How do we do, how do we add diversity uh, on all facets into the sales team? Absolutely, and I think um, the thing that I have recognized in the short amount of time that I've been doing this, um, but the thing that is you know glaringly obvious is that um, the folks that are given a chance, like the people that that have you know that have serious things on their record, mm-hmm. if they're given a chance, they are coming to the table with so much gratitude and also loyalty right. um, because you're, you're giving them an opportunity for prosperity. And that right. really means something to them. Right. Well, Kate, it's been fantastic talking to you. What I'd like to do is at some point in the future, have you come back with one of your graduates? We'd love to hear uh, someone's story firsthand. I would love that. And I'm That'd sure they would too. All right. Yeah. We'll make sure we do that. So in the meantime, if people want to contact you and learn more about Strively and how they can help, what's the best way to do that? Strively.org. Um, you can contact me there. Uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, you can call my cell phone. Whatever, whatever works. Just <laughs> get in touch. Way. Get in touch. Get involved. Open your hearts. Open your wallets. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. We're so grateful for your support of this program. And I want to thank my guest, Kate Lighty, for sharing her story with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, well, we'd appreciate it. 
You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.